and we are joined by the great John Gordon. We've got a couple of your books here, The Energy Bus and The No Complaining Rule, and I know on the wall behind you, you can see some of the best-selling titles uh, that John has written. First of all, Chris Honorato, Sean Bagnardi. I'll lean in here. I'll uh, tell thank you, you so much for, uh, for taking the time with us here today on the 104.5 The Team ESPN Radio Facebook page. How are you? I'm doing good. John, you, you look like a guy who lives in Florida, man. Healthy and tanned and and enjoying better weather than we typically get in upstate New York. <laughs> I, uh, I get to walk on the beach a lot, so it, it's, it's nice to get a little uh, sun, get some vitamin D, and try to stay healthy. Well, I'm on the bus. I want you to know that, uh, as is my girlfriend. My co-host, Sean, is at the bus stop, but we have to get him on the bus. Before <laughs> we do that, though... Can you just tell our, our listeners, our viewers, a little bit about your story? Because it's an interesting one about how you came to be such a positive person, a motivational speaker, and now, of course, a best-selling author many times over. Yeah, I was an athlete my whole life. I was an athlete in college. I played lacrosse at Cornell University. Uh, graduated from Cornell, went on this journey of a lot of different jobs, a lot of careers. I was a bartender, a waiter, a bar owner. I went to law school. I started a nonprofit. I ran for city council. <laughs> I went to go work for a dot-com. Lost everything during the dot-com. We, we crashed, lost my job. And then I had a wife and two small children. And you know, I was, I was really negative. I was, I was miserable. I was unhappy all the time. I was pretty depressed. But I was also really mean and negative to my wife and not verbally abusive, not like mean, mean, but, but mean, just negative all the time. And made her feel like our problems in our life and, and my life was not what I wanted to be was because of her. Mm. So she finally gave me an ultimatum, change or you're off the bus. And so I had to change. So George and the energy bus was based on me and my own personal struggles with negativity and adversity. And so when she gave me that ultimatum, I started to research ways I could be more positive. I started to write these weekly positive tips. Next thing you know, people started reading them. At the time, I had five subscribers to my newsletter, my brother, my mother, <laughs> my, my best friend from college. Sounds like our following. <laughs> and, and, but, but gradually, more and more people started to, to read it, and that led to a book deal. And then I wrote The Energy Bus in 2006 and came out in 2007. And again, that was really based on my own journey. I was walking one day, and the idea just hit me. Boom, it came to me. And so I, I went home and I started writing this book. And next thing you know, within three and a half weeks, I had this book written. Uh, rejected by over 30 publishers. 30 publishers said no. Finally, John Wally and Sons agrees to publish it, came out, and, um, and here we are today. You know, it's a funny story. Uh, as I'm reading The Energy Bus and I saw that it was published by Wiley, a, a cousin, who a very close cousin of mine, was a longtime publicist for Wiley. So I was texting with him last night and said, hey, we're going to have John Gordon on the show. I know you know him. Um, more than two million copies now sold of The Energy Bus. And, and John, I know I shared the story with you over email, but I want to tell it here for our audience that the UAlbany Men's Lacrosse Team, your sport, and Scott Marr, who does such a great job with that program, used this book to fuel his team last year, their energy, their belief to get them to the Final Four for the first time in program history. And again, the line that our certainty is greater than everyone's doubt, that was almost a weekly thing we got as local media from them. 
Yeah, Scott is an awesome coach, a great guy, as you know. And I was just so honored that they read the Energy Bus as a team and used the theme that inspired them. So I was I was really excited, and I was rooting for them, and except when they played Cornell. Besides <laughs> Cornell, I would, I, would, I would root for them, and they were, they were my team. You know, They were an Energy Bus team. So I just love what he did there and the energy they brought. And they're a great example, right, a team that comes together and stays positive together and moves forward towards a, a, a with a greater purpose, mm-hmm. right, towards a vision. They're able to accomplish so many amazing things as a result of that. So, John, the book goes through 10 rules for the ride of your life. And without getting into all of them, for people who aren't familiar with the book, talk about some of the principles of the energy bus and really what it means and, and what you know who the passengers are and how you apply some of these principles to your life. Well, it starts with you're the driver, right? Every decision starts with you're the driver of your bus. You decide the kind of ride it's going to be. You can control what you control. Don't let the things you can't control bring you down. And as you're driving forward, choose the right energy, the right attitude, the right mindset. And so one of the other principles is to fuel your ride with positive energy, right? We can fuel our ride with negative energy or positive energy. And the more we feed the positive, that's what grows. And this is not Pollyanna positive, right? Some people think, oh, energy buzz, positivity. No, this is about real optimism, real belief, real faith that allows you to overcome all the obstacles, all the negativity, all the adversity, all the naysayers to truly accomplish something meaningful and special. Work with Clemson football for the past seven years, right? You want to talk about an energy bus coach, a positive leader, Dabo Sweeney? The world saw what that kind of leadership can do and does in building an amazing program like that. So the positivity is real, but so is the negativity. So a big part of the energy bus is to not allow negativity, do not allow those energy vampires to sabotage your team. And I think that's why so many coaches connected to this book early on when it came out. I did not expect all these coaches to read this book. And next thing you know, I'm getting calls from a lot of them because of the whole idea of energy vampires and the negativity that sabotage sabotages the team. Gandhi said, I will not let anyone walk through my mind with their dirty feet, mm-hmm. right? And neither, and neither should we. So we weed the negative, feed the positive, and then we love our passengers. Probably one of the best rules of all is just to love your passengers. Be the kind of leader that, that loves people and makes them want to be on the bus. Be a great leader, right? That really gets your team engaged. I love that line from Gandhi. I know you've shared it on social media. If you like what you're hearing, how could you not find John on Twitter? It's simple, at John, no H, at John Gordon 11 and JohnGordon.com, where I know I was saying before, you can find information about his leadership seminars. You can sign up and register there. Get a link to the Positive You podcast. Uh, I again mentioned the guests of Dave Roberts, the Dodgers manager, former NFL quarterback Ryan Leaf, who has a tremendous comeback story, as well as positive brands and positive cookies, John, which I want to ask you about later on here. Um, but, but one more thing on, on the energy bus here and the teams you've worked with. When you're in a room of a national championship college football team or an NBA championship team like the Miami Heat, or an NFL team that has won the Super Bowl like the Philadelphia Eagles. Are you in awe on any level? And what is your message to these guys to make sure that they're paid millions of dollars, they're lauded by fans everywhere? How do you get through to these players? I'm in awe of their effort, of their athletic ability, 
of their commitment and dedication to their craft. So I'm in awe of that, not you know, as, as people or with their fame. Early on, first team I ever spoke to was the Jacksonville Jaguars, and that was in 2007. Jack DeRio was the coach. And so I think starting to work early on with these teams right away, I saw, hey, they're just real people. They have challenges. They have issues. Matt Ryan would come up to me after every talk when I worked with the Atlanta Falcons for seven years, and Matt and I would talk about one thing that he took away from that and what he was going to do. So I quickly saw that they were real people, you know, just like me. They all had issues. They all had challenges, and they just wanted to get better. So when I'm there, yes, they're superstars, but my job is to help them get better, to help them improve, to give them something that will shift their mindset in a positive way and make them better. I was just with the Cubs and the Rangers. Right? Cubs got a lot of superstars. And I think I've done it for so long now, I'm just here to share and help and encourage. But mm. early on, yeah, it was very, very intimidating. I think probably the most uh, interesting was when I was with the Oklahoma City Thunder, and it's me and then the team in a small room because they have small <laughs> meeting rooms. You know, and there's there's what Russell Westbrook, and there's Adams, and there's the rest of the guys, and like you're there, right there talking. Like they're looking around at you, you're looking at them, and I like the big stages where I usually speak, right, where the keynotes where you don't see the crowd, and now you got to look at the people and try to interact with them. The Miami Heat, Pat Riley sat in on my first talk to the team, and you know there's Pat Riley over there <laughs> sitting right there. So you know that's a little intimidating, right, when you when you're talking to Pat Riley and. Uh, you know, before and after. The funny thing is, right before I went down there, uh, there were two people that were up for a big speaking engagement to a, you know, a, a client, and it was me and Pat Riley, and they, they went with Pat Riley. <laughs> so I'm like, hey, Pat, you, you got that gig before I did. <laughs> yeah, are you making enough riles off all your success? Throw yeah, me a bone so here. Yeah. It's pretty funny to, to share that with him. But yeah, no, I'm there to help. And the way I break through is, again, just being authentic, being real, Hopefully they've read my book beforehand. Some guys have, that helps. But the, the coach is always bringing me in, so I think that helps credibility. But right there, you wanna, you gotta prove your worth. Like, you know what, they're looking at you like, who is this guy? And it's a little intimidating at first in terms of, you gotta bring it because who is this guy, how can they help me, and why should I listen to him? Mm. And you've gotta right away be able to, to share that. So my talk now is, you know, five keys to being a great team. These are the keys to making a great team great. So if you want to be a great team, do these five things this season, and it will also help you with your career. And so right then and there, they're going to tune in because they want to know what makes a great team great. Now, obviously, you can apply this for, for coaching. It's great for sports, but the, the principles taught in this book can be applied any business, any field. You know, George in the book is is a company that makes light bulbs, but it could be literally any walk of life. And I think it's a great book for managers, for people in that position, but also for people on the other side. And, and, and one of the characters in the book goes to George and, and basically says as the boss, look, you're the reason that there's negativity here. All right, the, you know, the negativity that you've generated has kind of trickled down to us. So what I want to ask you is, yeah, it's easier for a manager can pick up this book and read it and figure out how to change. But what if you're on the other side? What if you're one of those kind of rank and file workers and the negativity is kind of coming down from above and making for a bad work environment? What are some ways you can go about, you know, cre creating that positive energy through that and still getting people on your bus when you're not the boss? Yeah, I work with a lot of companies and organizations where, again, this is an issue 
so many corporations and companies have, have read this book and it's for everyone. A lot of employees read this book and get so much from it. The only, the thing that really bothers me, that really hurts me to be honest, is when I get emails from those employees and they say, you know, read your book, trying to stay positive. My boss gave me your book, <laughs> but they're the biggest energy vampire of all. Yeah. And it's like, here the boss gives the energy <laughs> bus, like, did you not read it? Right. And the boss walks in and says, like, you're either off my bus or off my bus, and walks out. Like, no, that was not the intention <laughs> of the book. Did you right. see the part where it says, love your passengers? I think they forgot that part of the book. You have to be the kind of leader where they want to follow. You have to engage them. You have to mentor them, develop them, help support them, believe in them, be there for them. We talk a lot about love and accountability in my new book, The Power of Positive Leadership, which is everything I've learned since the energy bus. So for the past 12 years, this is everything I've learned from leadership and working with all these different organizations and leaders. It's not a fable, it's a practical book. But going back to your question, I addressed a lot of that in The Power of Positive Leadership because so many questions came up from the energy bus just like you had asked that. So here's the key, make your bus great. No matter what's going on around you, you can show up every day and you make your bus great. You influence one person. Each day you're a leader. You influence two or three, okay, now you're even more of a leader. So you have an opportunity to influence the people around you every day. You can influence your customers. But I am passionate about doing this work because there's so many leaders out there that are negative. There's so many managers that don't know how to lead. So my job and my dream and my goal was, is to actually every day get everyone hopefully on the bus to be leading a little differently. And more and more people are reading the book every day, every year. More people read it this year than last year. More ne probably next year than the year before. Every year more people read it. And that's why I do what I do because I want them to read it and see themselves in it. Hopefully they'll become a better leader because of it because your team deserves your best as a leader. One thing that sort of touched on me personally when I read the book, like a little while ago, I had a little more than a year ago, I don't even think I told Chris this, I had like a like a pretty bad bout with anxiety, which I didn't really understand. I kept telling people like, look, I'm, you know, I'm not depressed. Everything's okay. But for some reason, I just felt anxious and I couldn't really explain it. And people said, well, you know, are you stressed out, whatever? And I said, no, there isn't, nothing is really different in my life. Nothing specific. Yeah, work stressful, but no more than usual. Home stressful, but no more than usual. No relationship problems or anything like that. You know, I couldn't really figure out what it was, but it, I was like, you know, losing weight. I wasn't eating right. And, you know, it took a while to work back from that. And I thought last night as I, as I read the book, you know, looking back on that time, I think there was, even though nothing specifically stressing me out, there was a lot of negative energy in my life. And I think a lot of that negative energy, you know, I was creating. And you talk about in the book, emotion being the emotion. And it's the energy, the motion of the energy as it flows through your body. So what I want to ask you real quick is, you know, can you talk about how, the energy within you can really affect your emotions and your health, your, your physical and mental health. Oh, it's, it's so important. It's why we have to feed the positive instead of the negative every day. The garden of your mind, you weed the negative, feed the positive. You do it one day, it's not going to do much. Do it for a week. The garden starts to look better. Do it for a month, a year, seven years. I've now been doing it about 14 years. Mr. Negative, I grew up in Long Island, New York, right? Jewish, <laughs> Italian family. Dad was a New York City police officer, undercover narcotics. You know, a lot of food, a lot of guilt, a lot of negativity. The world conspires against you. I now naturally go more towards the positive, where I am naturally negative and go towards the negative. But 
Chris, this is sort of like a therapy session. Is this okay that we do this? Because I'm gonna, I'm gonna say, hey, here's the deal. Your anxiety, you are not alone. There are so many people, more than ever. Something's going on right now on the planet. Something's going on collectively in the universe where people are just struggling with fear and anxiety. And did you know the word anxious means divided? Hmm. No, no. Divide. So you feel divided from your power source, from your connection spiritually. I would argue it's God. You feel divided separate. So we feel anxious because we feel divided. And fear, main job is to try to divide us. And the anxiety comes from the fear. We look outside instead of inside. We look at different colors. We look at different races, right? And that causes division. You look at, you know, there's a lot of prejudice going on as a result of that. The more united we are, the more connected we are, the better we are. It goes for individuals, it goes for teams. So I'm here to develop strong teams to help them be united, but individually to help people be more connected and united within themselves. You said that negative energy is self-created. I would argue no. Do your negative thoughts come from you? And you'll probably say yes. And then my next question is, who would ever choose to have a negative thought? <laughs> yeah, good point. <laughs> so, yeah, it, it blows people's mind when I say this in my talk. They're like, wow, they're like, it really gets you thinking, wait, yeah, I would never choose one. Where is it coming from? So the negative energy is, is always coming in. It's a soul battle. It's a spiritual battle. So the negative thoughts are always coming in. The negative energy is coming in. Your key, and the key for all of us, is not to believe those lies, not to get tied up into the fear, to see it for what it is, false evidence appearing real, and then you speak truth to the lies, you feed yourself with the positive thoughts and words that create that positive emotion. For me, it's a walk of gratitude each day. I say what I'm thankful for. Research shows you can't be stressed and thankful at the same time. And as you're walking and you're practicing gratitude or whatever you're doing to feed the positive, spiritually, in your heart, in your soul, in your mind, you now become more powerful to take on all the negativity and the challenges. And I know so it's a journey, it's a, it's a journey. I know I make light of a lot of things in life, and I will here as well, John. I was stressed while we were trying to figure out the technical issues with Skype here yeah. to have you on. I know you're a busy man, so that caused a lot of great stress inside me. Sitting here talking with you, it, it literally has melted away. I want to share one thing with you, John, if I could. Recently read the energy bus. My girlfriend and I took a trip to Maine. I love the ocean, even if it's cold. And I know you've had a great ex personal experience with the ocean as well. Um, we bought a rock, bought a rock, right? After reading the energy bus, and it okay. says gratitude. And I know there's a theme in the energy bus, and I don't, I'm not gonna give away the entire book here. We're, we're close to it. I want people to buy it and read it. <laughs> but it's about having a rock and still finding the worth in something even as simple as this, as you find the worth uh, in yourself. Um, I wanna ask you too about you know, energy vampires. Uh, what if they are people close to you in your life? Th these are people that would be difficult to, to cast aside, if you will. I is, it, is it about turning them into a positive person, or is it about eliminating some of the time you spend with them? Well, I had a woman email me and said, my husband is an energy vampire, but kicking, kicking him off the bus is not an option. What should I do? <laughs> And, and I love that, okay, we're not going to kick them off, but we're going to work on it. So I hear this from a lot of relationships and a lot of couples, some from the men, some from the women. And the key is first to try to transform. We do try to transform. We try to encourage and, 
get people on the bus and get them thinking differently. You can't drive anyone else's bus though. You can only drive your bus, but you can encourage people. You can share resources and a book and information and a newsletter and an article. So you can try to give people some tips and some ways forward. Give them some practical tools to help them. Again, not everyone's gonna change, but you can do your best that way. Best thing you can do also is to stay positive yourself. Walt Whitman said we convince by our presence. So be positive yourself, and your energy will then impact others. You don't allow their negativity to impact you. You say, you know what? I'm gonna impact them with my positivity, and eventually they're gonna get on, or they may just stay away from me because I'm so positive. <laughs> I have you vampires do not <laughs> like the light, remember that. So shine your light. Now, a lot of times energy vampires, as we know, vampires cannot see their reflection in the mirror. So an energy vampire doesn't know they're an energy Interesting. vampire sometimes. Interesting. So that's where sometimes you have to have a difficult conversation with someone and say, hey, you know, I love you, you know, you're, you're important to me, but every time I'm around you, you're negative about this, this, and this. Can we try to be more positive? Can we work on that? And so they might get defensive, but maybe they don't. Maybe you help them. And so there's all these different ways that we can deal with energy vampires. There's no perfect rule, there's no perfect science, but I think the key is always transformation. If someone though at work is sabotaging the team, sabotaging the customers, you give them a chance to change, but if they're not willing to change, you may have to let them off the bus. One person can't make a team, but one person can break a team. So you gotta make sure that you get the team on the bus moving in the right direction. So, John, one, a nice thing I saw in the book is you, know, you say positive energy, it, it's kind of like a muscle, and you have to work at it, and you have to exercise it to make it strong. And, you know, that really got me thinking that it, it's so much easier to be negative. It's like you don't have to work at the negative. It just sort of is that way. And I wonder, why do you think more and more people, it seems like, are so negative now? You know, people, people say to us, we work in TV news here all the time why, why are all the stories saying negative and really the, the honest truth of it is because like that's actually what people want people will click more on the stories that are you know they're, they're more interested yeah they want to hear the nice story but it's like they're more interested about that fatal fire down the street you know and that kind of thing and, and I feel like people will watch you know uh, cable news not because they like the person they're looking at and they feel that they're so they're they're gaining all this positive energy but because they're they love the negative energy that they're sending toward the other side that they don't agree with. So why do you think people sort of gravitate to the negative? Well, there's a study I believe that showed that about 80% of our population vibrates to a negative frequency. About 20% to a positive wow. frequency. Think about that, that is really interesting. So I think we are drawn more towards maybe the, the negative energy, but we live in a world of duality. You want the real answer? It's a world of duality, light and dark right? Um, hate and love, good and bad, good and evil. What is Harry Potter about? The battle of what? Good and evil. Yep. Star Wars. Right. Yep. Good and evil. Yep. Superman, Black Panther, <laughs> Wonder Woman, good versus evil. Why do those movies and shows resonate with us so much? Because that's the narrative of the universe, of this duality of this world we live in. It's a battle of good and evil. Look and you see the evil play out in the world every single day. So there is a negative dark energy that is evil, but there is good, there is love, there is joy, right? 
There, there is people saving people's lives. There is sacrificial love, where people run into a burning building to save someone's life. And so I would argue that the battle every day, when you understand this is the battle between good and evil, and I don't know if anyone wants to argue with me, I don't think they can, when you understand this, you know how the game is being played, you can see why there's so much negative energy. People are buying into the lie, into the fear, mm. into the negativity. We have to buy into the truth, into positivity, into love, and the more we feed that positive, the negativity has no power. And that's what I'm saying. That's what I see over and over again. Dabo Sweeney gets the job, right? Criticize, you'll never make it, you know, you know, you, you know, again, worst decision ever by Clemson. Now he's a national champ, a huge building, you know, basically they call it Dabo World. <laughs> and we see a guy of faith who withstood all the criticism, yep. all the negativity, all the doubt to accomplish something meaningful. So we see the battle that goes on. And we, you know what? The battle is in with each of us, right? Each one of us is experiencing that battle. Your anxiety, your fear, all that is the battle. And then you take it on and you become stronger. And those who pass the test become really strong and even stronger and become someone who can make a difference in the lives of others. Those who don't, who fall, who succumb, right? We see how that plays out. So it's a it's a choice. And I think Star Wars represents it beautifully. Before we say goodbye, John, Sean, are you on the bus? I'm on the bus. <laughs> I am 100% on the bus. Because honestly, like John says, it's a choice. And yeah. who wants to choose the negative? You know, I, I want to be on the bus, and I want John on my bus, and you on my bus, and yeah. Love it. And just because you have a negative thought doesn't mean you have to believe it. It's always going to come in. The negativity will always come in. Don't believe the negative thought. Don't believe the lie. That's what I've learned over the years. And for me, like, you know, early on, it, it almost brought me down. Like, the energy bus comes out, so much criticism, so many negative comments, reviews. Now it's mostly positive. Mm. But those first few years, I was bombarded. And that's where being positive more positive than the negativity you face is so essential for all of us. They're easy to find, I know. I want to run down some of them again, though, in addition to the energy bus, the no complaining rule, the power of positive leadership, which John has talked about, but you can see over his left shoulder the power of a positive team as well. Uh, <laughs> there it is. And the carpenter, the positive dog, which he talks about in the energy bus. John, a couple of thoughts here quickly from me before we let you go, I promise. Um, when we set up this date, I hadn't looked far enough ahead of my calendar to realize we're coming upon Easter weekend. I know you're a man of faith. My mother was a nun for 10 years, so I am as well. Uh, this is a great time for people to start believing. It doesn't even have to be religious uh, in nature, but faith is such a powerful thing in this world. And one thing I, I do want to get across to people who are hearing us talk about this and thinking, but the energy bus is only for people who have it bad in life, right? People who are miserable, people who are down on their luck, people who don't have anything good to think about in their life. They read what, what many people might consider a self-help book. But I'm here to tell you, I've got... People in my life who love and support me. I've got jobs I'm passionate and happy about. And I still read this book and came away with a way to still be more positive, energetic, and loving towards the people in my life. It's, it's unbelievable. You, you don't have to be in a bad place to read this book and benefit greatly. It's incredible. I appreciate that. Because a lot of positive people actually read it, share it with all their teams because they are positive. And I find that the positive people want even more of it or become want to be even more successful and and somehow share it so it's actually they read it it's like 
oh, this is everything I think. This is what I believe. So it gives them a tool to share to help others become more positive. So yeah, it reaches those who might be negative, those who are really positive, or those who actually are sort of in the middle of the road who want to become more positive. Or just sometimes people just get the book from a friend. They say, yeah, I'm going to read it. They have no idea what it's about. Can't tell you how many times that has happened. John, I went to Ithaca College, so I know Cornell well. Uh, the Nines is, is closed. How often did you go to the Nines, and is it the best deep dish pizza outside of Chicago, or what? <laughs> Unbel- unbelievable. I didn't go there a, a ton, but I went there definitely a bunch. We had another hangout that we went to as lacrosse players, but know the Nines very well, and yeah, I thought yeah, deep dish off the charts. You were a you were a Division One athlete. I was not, so I could eat all the pizza I wanted and and, and enjoy the bar life. <laughs> no, I was a, I was a Johnny's guy with with amazing wings. There you go, the best wings. And now I've developed an allergy to chicken, so I dream about those oh, wings no. all the time. Actually, <laughs> well, I'm sorry to bring up bad memories. <laughs> John, thank you so much for the time. Uh, We love the books. We're going to continue to buy and read more of them. We hope our viewers and listeners will do the same. And uh, and I hope someday soon we'll uh, we'll catch up again. Yeah, thank you for the insight. Very much appreciate it. I'm honored and I, I really appreciate the conversation. Thanks so much, guys, for what you do.